0: Hey, welcome back to Living Centered. I'm your host, Gordon Collier, spiritual director here in Richmond, Virginia. And for today's episode, I wanted to share uh, a verse, actually, that was a part of of my spiritual direction process uh, where we went through the Ignatian uh, prayer journey. And uh, so, of course, this involved daily readings some reflection and a lot of prayer. And uh, as we were going through week four, where we basically just sort of meditated and reflected on God in all things and constantly uh, in a mode of creating me, um, we were looking at a passage in Jeremiah that I wanted to share with you. Um, it brings to mind a number of things for me as I was thinking about this, and I thought might find this helpful as well. Uh, it's from Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 6. And uh, this is uh, this whole thing is very interesting to me. Uh, begins at chapter chapter 18, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at his wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, uh, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. I thought this was a wonderful passage. It was really interesting to me, and I've been frankly, just sort of reflecting on it for the past couple of days. And um, two things that strike me first off about this passage is, one, uh, the Lord is obviously called Jeremiah as his prophet. He speaks directly to Jeremiah. Um, And so not only is he speaking directly to him, but there's also um, this need to put Jeremiah in front of somebody like the local potter. To share an experience and to uh, actually see with his own eyes something that God uh, was saying to help make the point to kind of drive it home to Jeremiah, and I find that just interesting because clearly there's something about Jeremiah that God knows about him intently. That Jeremiah needed this image, this uh, you know life, this daily life sort of routine that this potter goes through. And um, anyway, it made me reflect on an experience. Uh, a number of years ago, my daughter, for my birthday, gave me uh, – instead of just a a thing, she gave me an experience. And she gave me a, um, a day down at this local um, art uh, place downtown where you, know, you can sign up and you take art classes and all that kind of stuff. And so she had given me a class on uh, pottery. And so I went and I got to spend a couple of hours – Um, learning how to use a potter's wheel. Now, of course it's 20, I don't know what year this was. It may have been 2021, I think perhaps. No, actually it may have been like 2019. I can't remember honestly, but, uh, we weren't wearing masks and nobody was getting sick. So this must've been pre-pandemic, um, but uh, I, I got to go down there and spend a couple of hours, and um, you know, this is 21st century using pottery wheel, so it was uh, very nice stuff. And uh, the clay was already ready to go. All we had to do was just throw some water on it and get it nice and wet. And uh, we learned the art of centering the pot, the the clay on the wheel, which basically you just take the you take it in your hand and you throw it you just throw it down. So it just kind of grabs and sticks down on the wheel. And then you begin to turn it and uh, you're using it. it's electric, of course, it's plugged into the wall. And um, you're just kind of using that pedal to, to navigate the speed and the rhythm. And you begin to work that clay in your hands. Um, and so it was a fantastic experience. What I ended up crafting was pretty terrible. (laughs) This wasn't that great. I think I was trying to make a coffee mug, uh, which I don't really need a lot more coffee mugs in my life. At least that's what my wife tells me. I have plenty of coffee mugs, but I figured I'll start with a coffee mug. And um, it was an interesting experience. Uh, I was curious after reading this, just sort of like what the process was like in ancient times. Uh, you know, ancient biblical times, and so um, I decided to look it up. And frankly, it's not that far off, just a little harder um, because uh, you know it was ancient biblical times, not uh, not the 21st century, a century in the uh, Western culture of the United States. But basically, uh, the potter would uh, you know, begin his preparation by preparing the clay, which was usually sourced from like a nearby river or stream. The clay would be soaked in water to soften it up, and then they would need it to uh, remove any of the air bubbles and, and make it more pliable. Now, in my case, uh, I don't know where they got the clay. They probably was shipped in from somewhere that did not come from the local river or stream, that's for sure. Um, And of course, then the potter would center it. The potter would then take that lump of clay, put it in the center of the pottery wheel, and then using their hands and the water, they would center that clay and get it to spin smoothly and evenly. What's interesting about that uh, centering piece is it is absolutely critical, and this is where the art of pottery comes in. It's super critical that you get that piece of clay centered on the wheel if you don't, uh, it will start to, um, it, it just won't spin evenly. You're going to get a mist misshapen piece of clay because it's at one side of that clay is going to completely be, uh, you know, kind of coming out of the center and it's going to be wobbly and it, there's a really good chance it's going to just come off and get everywhere. Anyway, uh, the potter then begins to start to shape the clay. And once that clay is centered, the potter would use their hands and a variety of tools maybe to shape that clay. Um, They might use their fingers to pinch the clay into a bowl or a vase shape, or they might use a wooden paddle um, to smooth and shape the sides. One thing I learned was learning how to use some of the pottery tools where you, you could you know, carve off as you're, as you're spinning that pottery to carve off a little bit here and there if you want it to be thinner in certain areas or if you want to kind of smooth something out or, you know, you want the edge of that opening to be a little more rounded. Um, and then, then of course, once you're done, you dry it. Once the pot is shaped and trimmed, uh, you leave it to dry. And depending on how big that piece of pottery is or how thick it is or how thin it is, this might take anywhere from just a couple of days to a few weeks And that's just to dry it. Once it's dried, then you have to fire it. And um, of course, uh, back in ancient biblical times, they had to get a fire going and they had to get it up to close to 1,000 to 1,200 degrees Celsius in order to actually uh, fire that piece of pottery so it actually becomes strong and and dries properly. And then once that's done, then they would leave those pots inside for several hours um, to get really nice and hard and then they would glaze it. After you fire it, the potter then chooses to apply a certain kind of glaze to the pot, um, and that glaze is generally like a liquid coating made from um, just the various minerals that you might find uh, in that particular area of the world. Uh, And then, of course, once you heat that, it creates kind of a hard, glassy surface, and the glaze could be applied to the entire pot or maybe just a few areas, depending on the kind of effect that you're trying to get. Once it's all done, once it's been fired, the glaze has been apl- applied, then, um, it's all done and said, and this would, um, be the final piece you would end up, uh, after the final firing, the pot would be finished and ready to use. That entire process of making pottery was a very skilled, incredibly time consuming craft that required a lot of patience and a lot of attention and detail, um, So I'm just thinking about this. Uh, There's another verse that sort of hints to this idea of God being involved in the work and the creation of his people. And in the New Testament, in the letter to Ephesus, Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. This is this is Eden language that Paul is using here. This is Genesis language. This is going back to the very beginning of time when God said, Let's create man in our image. And he reached down and he pulled together the earth and he made something out of nothing, created man and blew air into mankind and created. Uh, created man with dignity, with the ability to have an impact in the universe, to live in community with other people, to do good work, to rule, to rest, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's good, good work in all of that. And as I kind of reflect back on the Ignatian prayer journey that I was on, Uh, One of the reflection questions that was there was, um, you know, God creates you and I more intently than a potter creates a pot. And that's an intense process. So how do you find yourself being shaped and molded by God? Thinking about that process. And do you welcome his creative work? Or are you resistant to his work in your life. Another great reflective question for you to kind of pause and meditate on too is, how does God feel and how does the Lord respond when he looks upon his masterpiece? Now, when I looked at my piece of pottery when I was done uh, making that piece of pottery, I was like, eh, not that great, but it was pretty cool. Like the whole experience was pretty awesome and I loved it. Got my hands dirty. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was such a wonderful gift from my daughter. But somebody else, uh, like a real potter, who makes a beautiful piece of clay, um, maybe stands back and says, that, that is beautiful and that is going to be used for good. Is that how the Lord looks at you? Is that how you feel? If God were to walk in the room wherever you are right now, How would he see you? Is there anything particular that he might say to you? Here's an opening for you. We want to be filled with wonder. We want to be filled with awe and gratitude for God's ongoing creative work in you and I in the world. And that is the grace to seek, knock, ask, be a part of what God is doing in your life. My friends, thanks for listening this morning. If you would like to know more about spiritual direction, if you would like to chat with me, learn more about it, see if spiritual direction would be right for you, um, I encourage you uh, check out uh, the notes of this particular episode. My email and contact information is there. Shoot me a note. Let's chat and see if spiritual direction might be something that would be good for you. Take care. Have a great day.